prophet said, and lo, the beast looked upon the face of beauty, and it stayed its hand from killing, and from that day it was as one dead. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Godzilla Pod War Hour. Today, we are talking about a film that uh, really started started it all. It even started it before Godzilla. It was the inspiration for the original Godzilla and not just that, the inspiration for so much, uh, such so much came from this movie in in regards as inspiration. Um, I we're talking about King you. Kong. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you agree? Good. And introduce yourself. Who are you, young what? man? Who am I? Uh, all right, I'm Nate. Nate Bear. And, and who are you? Ah, who am I? I'm Mike Kelly. Matt, nice to meet you. Yeah, Mike. it's good. Hey, how you doing? In this. Uh, fine studio of ours that we've uh, rebuilt from the bottom up. To, yes, uh, we've refurbished it to, from uh, the set of the most dangerous game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to bring to, you this to, uh, to, Aural Gold it, that it, you've been listening to for the past two years. Aural. Yeah. Anyways, so yes, King Kong is what we're here to talk about. Now, we've we've touched on King Kong. I mean, we've more than touched about it. We talked about it for about 45 minutes in the first episode of the podcast. So we'll yeah. try to not cover the same uh, territory um, on, on this episode as, mu- as much as can be done. So to sum up what we haven't summarized already, it then goes to the top of the Empire State Building in a shot by, get this, aeroplanes. Aeroplanes. Um, <laughs> and that's it. That's, that's it. That's, that's I think it. that's yeah. everything that we did, have not covered <laughs> at this point. So we're done. We got done early this week. It's great. I'm going to get a brandy and... Um, or like a whiskey sour, and uh, watch some episodes of Aftermatch on Crank Crankle Crankle Crackle. Cr- Crankster Crackle. No, all right. Grinder. I guess I Grinder? No. All right. Here we go. So, um, where, you know where to begin with, with King Kong? We we'll try to do this in the in the fastest way possible because we don't want this to be a six hour episode. Although it could be. No. The, yeah, the, the, the making of this movie is so it's almost a movie as, in and of yeah, itself. Yeah, it's yeah. almost as fascinating. And, yeah. and and you take really any person involved, the major players, and they uh, could have movies made about their lives, and yeah. they'd be like really awesome movies. But in a way, King Kong is. Kind of a reflection of their lives. Absolutely, these men, especially Marion C. Cooper and Ernest B. Shodasak, sure, sad sack, and, and both of them, uh, very like extreme people. Yes, like they lived very interesting lives. Fought in two, well, later three wars. Um, the uh, with the First World War, the uh, Russian uh, Polish conflict of the twenties, and then after that, World War Two. This, however, 1933, King Kong happens in between uh, that. Yes. But, uh, yeah. Uh, in fact, many people mention that uh, Robert Armstrong's character of Carl Dunham uh, is, in fact, a bit of Marion C. Cooper. You yes. know, He's not really a good or a bad guy. He's just an eccentric person who kind of gets his friends hurt. <laughs> and in, in the same way that the, uh, the first mate, Jack Driscoll, mm-hmm. is... Modeled after the second, um, the second director of the film, Ernest B. Uh, Shadakel, Shadl, Shodsack, Shodsack, Ernest B. Shodsack. Um, 
And really, it should be said that the third director of King Kong is Willis O'Brien. And really, yeah. in, in many essential ways, the main director of King Kong. I mean, not to play down what Marie C. Cooper and Ernest did, but, like, this is Willis O'Brien's movie. Yeah, I mean, in the... The, the way the difference between the way Hollywood was making films at this time and the way Japan was making films at the time that Godzilla was made is the fact that Hollywood was more in a producer's system. With the producer system, you basically have the producer calling all the shots, sometimes even directing the film itself. So King Kong doesn't have like one specific director. It's between Marion C. Cooper and Shodzak, um, between them like directing the film but like later films like gone with the wind and the wizard of oz you got five different directors several different cameramen all working on the same picture all working under david o selznick yeah everything you know david o selznick also a producer on this film would later make gone with the wind which they burned down the king kong set for atlanta it is important to note that you know this movie got made because David O. Selznick greenlit it. I yeah. mean, uh, you know, Willis O'Brien was working on another film called uh, Creation yeah. for like five years. And they had spent like $100,000 of just pre-production on Creation. She yeah. test footage, making models, all this stuff. Now, to put that into some context, you hear, oh, $100,000, that's not that much. But like, if you, like, the biggest budgets of films back then were like two hundred thousand dollars yeah so this would be like if they were making today another like a movie and they spent like a hundred million dollars just in previs and like yeah. you know building sets and stuff that's it's just when you think about that that's yeah. crazy i mean the only thing that really even comes to mind is something like james cameron and avatar <laughs> yeah. where he has literally been working on the special effects someplace for like ever since the first avatar came out yeah. he's been whittling away in a shed someplace on you know in the fox australian set or whatever yeah up working on avatar 2 and that's what willis o'brien was doing he was yeah. like on a shed and the on the lot working on creation yeah. special effects for this for the film called creation and willis o'brien's background uh, besides being you know just a hard drinking irishman as he was uh, mentioned in a book he's a uh, bartender at one point yeah uh he um you know, helped pioneer uh, the stop motion animation special effects and was considered like the best in the biz. Um, and this is like probably his best work because before that he had done work on a film in 1925, The Lost World, where it's really just his special effects that make that movie. The yeah, his Lost special World effects are the movie. Yeah, like yeah. the the Lost World. If you have to watch it for, you know, if you're a historian and you really insist on watching this movie, it's a terrible film. Like, 1925, silent movies are out there. Yeah, silent movies are at their best. Like, movies around that time, there were so many great melodramas and, you know, quasi-science fiction films, what have you. Lost World is not one of those. It's just, like, really bad. It's just, like, skip, skip, skip. Okay, dinosaurs, skip, skip, skip. (laughs) Dinosaurs, skip, skip, skip. Brontosaurus attacks London. The end. Like, if you really want to, I suggest getting the DVD or watching it for free on YouTube and just watching the dinosaur sequences because that's the only, like, gold in that It doesn't. It doesn't work. Like, you can't watch it today and be entertained. And that's why we're not talking about The Lost World 82 years later. We're talking about King Kong, though, because you can still sit down and watch it and be entertained and and engaged the entire runtime of that film. It's all these eccentric people coming together and making a wonderful film. 
time. This is not like, I don't know, like Jodorowsky's Good Dune or something <laughs> yeah. like that, where you've got all these eccentric people coming I've together. I've always been a big fan of, making of, of Joe Dorowski. I think he's a great guy. I've known Joe <laughs> for years, and he's. Uh, I, I was really sad when Dune fell through for him. But um, the, uh, you know, it is. Just to talk a little bit about Willis O'Brien, in case you didn't know, yeah, he did the stop-motion stuff. But in addition to the stop-motion animation on Kong and a lot of the... I I think every dinosaur in the film King Kong was created for this movie creation. Yeah. So that's why when you see Kong, it's just like... Once they get to Skull Island Mm -hmm. and, like, the shit goes down and it becomes, like... Kong fighting monster after monster. They just have so many of these great monsters to throw at them. It's yeah. like a set piece after set piece after set piece because all these things were already made and like ready to go. So yeah. like, and like a lot of stuff that was d- designed for creation, like the the um, the tree log sequence over yeah. the gorge. That was all from this movie Creation, and they even did some test footage of that. Mm. And they that was just a f- whole sequence that they just dropped and dragged into King Kong. So there's a lot of different things that went into it now you know another word on willis o'brien he did some other stuff he worked on son of kong which was an unfortunate film that we will cover in its own right here on on the, the podcast at, at a later time mm-hmm. but like um like it's really sad when you do a lot of research on first of all there are no interviews with him no that exists so that's very tr- tragic because one of the few photos of him is torn. Yeah, it's torn. <laughs> and that's the, this famous photo of him is like torn in half and someone's like scotch taped it together. Yeah. And not only, okay, if he had just like refined like stop motion, that in itself would be an amazing, mm-hmm. an amazing feat because that was the state of the art until, let's not forget, like the mid 90s. They yeah. were still like doing stop motion. Jurassic Park, movies. remember, was they planned to do that in Gomo. The only thing that had changed between King Kong until 1993 with uh, stop motion animation is that they had achieved the motion blur. Right. You know, which is probably one of the few Go, flaws yeah. of they had, stop motion animation. Stop motion had progressed into go motion, which mm-hmm. is where they would actually be moving the puppet in addition to moving it frame by frame, they would also be slightly moving it while the photograph is being taken to again give that uh, motion blur. Yeah. Um, and so even if he would have done that and that was the only thing he did, that would have been an amazing achievement. Yeah. But like he invented so many other types of special effects on this yeah. movie, like rear projection. Yeah. And, and having it work perfectly, you know, like that's an amazing thing. And like, you know, like it's just, it boggles the mind. Like if this yeah. movie hadn't come out, and all the the people that it inspired, and the generation of people that it inspired, including Ray Harryhausen and like Ray Bradbury, Ray Bradbury, and uh, by together, the, by the way, in Shiro Honda, yeah. and like every Godzilla movie, like, and then all the movies they inspired after that, it's a cascading effect, uh, and it all comes from King Kong. I mean, this was the first like huge spectacle, like special effects movie that actually like worked yeah. <laughs> and wasn't just like, Oh, I see what they did with the, the puppet there on the camera. That's great. Yeah. Uh, let's go, you know, get a, you know, cotton candy or whatever. It's like, no, this like people saw this and they stopped and they were like, this was an amazing, it was an escape. It was the ultimate escape. Cause this came out in 1933. Yeah. And this was like, 
The you height know, pe- of the Great yeah, Depression. Yeah, people think the Depression was just 1929. It wasn't. You know, it was like that. That's when it started. Yeah. But the bottoming out, the nadir, the the Terminator Genesis, as <laughs> it were, of the Great Depression, uh, was 1933. That's when you know. And there's a little bit in the beginning of this film when they're in New York, where they there's you know where Carl Denham is looking for actresses. Okay, he's looking for Fay Ray. And he goes out, and there's like a soup kitchen, and there's people, there's a bunch of women in line to go get soup, you know. And it's like that's yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, it was you know, but people were still forking over their money to go see this movie because it was like it was an escape from their hellish existence. And as we mentioned before, uh, most uh, big blockbusters come out at the height of economic instability. Uh, hence, like the German films of the Weimar era, those made they were able to make so many amazing films because that was the only people. Sorry, that was the only thing that people could truly trust their money with, which was entertainment. Right. You know, bread and everything else prices going up and down. You don't know uh, where to put your money, but entertainment is guaranteed. You know, that's guaranteed satisfaction. A moving picture. So, um, you know that. That's just a pattern uh, throughout history. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And then yeah. another mention <laughs> should be the fact, if you just thought the special effects, the eccentric acting and uh, direction of this film were everything, you'd be wrong. Because we can't forget Max Steiner, who yes. did the score for this film. It's important to note that this is like one of the first, if not the first, film to have a complementary score with the film. During the silent era, many films had uh, scores done specifically for the film that would be played in big theaters uh, with uh, a whole orchestra in front, like Fritz Lang's Metropolis, for example. Uh, But when sound came in, the attention to detail was the fact that people were talking to you. You can hear my voice. I'm articulating this sentence. And it was thought that if you had music, non-diagenic music, playing in the background... Um, it would confuse people. So, like, yeah, people if, would it, think that there was an orchestra in that scene. Yeah, like they wouldn't get it because the film was so new. If you find, if you uh, watch the original Dracula, uh, the only music you hear is at the beginning over the credits, or when they're at uh, a concert hall, you hear music because they're in a concert hall. That's the only reason why. Uh, the rest of the film is just you know, children of the night, blah 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 blah. Um. And <laughs> snooze fest. Yeah, snooze fest. Watch, watch the Spanish version of Dracula. <laughs> it's much better. See, um, <laughs> the uh, but with King Kong, you actually have music made specifically for this film that really emphasizes the action going on, uh, especially the climax of the film on the Empire State Building. The music really brings you in. With the images, so not only is it viscerally en- entertaining, it's aurally entertaining. It is, <laughs> yeah. Um, and like everything else, like many other things, it still holds up. Yeah, and uh, and it's still a great score just to listen to, you know, in its own right. Although, if you have a copy of King Kong lying around, it's, it works better if you just, yeah just watch the just, movie. Just watch the movie. Um, watch it. it. It's important to note that, like, you know, all these things. Just, it was just, they just barely happened. Yeah. Because, like, uh, you know, David O. Selznick, he didn't want to score to the movie. He's like, let's just cobble together stuff from other movies. You don't need an original score. And Marion C. Cooper, he was the one who was just like, 
No, no, we have to have, this is a fantasy. We're going to this crazy world. Everything else is like being top of the line. We have to have um, a score for this movie. So he ended up uh, paying uh, Max Steiner out of pocket, Mm. like uh, 20 grand or something, which was a lot of money back then. And, uh, you know, it was just like, here you go, you know, and they paid, they had a full orchestra come in and they did it. And then after the, afterwards, RKO reimbursed, uh, Cooper for that. But like, they were almost not even going to have an original score. Yeah. So, you know, and, and one thing I did want to say about, we, uh, we sort of talked about Willis O'Brien there for a second, but and this movie is, is mind blowing and, and, and an amazing accomplishment. And it's just important to like, Realize that, like, he had so many other projects. I mean, we, we sort of mentioned Creation, which was sort of adopted by Cooper and, 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 and made into what we know as King Kong. But, he, like, essentially, of all the projects and the things that he had planned to do, we, mm-hmm. like, all have only seen about maybe a little less than 10% mm-hmm. of what he wanted to do, including... Like the genesis of the idea for King Kong versus Godzilla, which yeah. we talked about in that episode, which he wanted to be King Kong versus Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. And that was in like the 50s. Yeah. He was still trying to get that stuff made. So like, you know, he he did Mighty Joe Young. He did Son of Kong. He did a few other things. But like it is sort of sad that his, his output um, was not what it could have been. But I mean, that you know, spark. He, that spark. And he made this movie. And to tell you the truth, this movie... It's really all you need as far as like fantasy adventure filmmaking. Like there is so much going on, especially again, once they get down to brass tacks and are actually on the island, every scene is like eye popping and, and just your imagination just explodes in a good way. Yeah. Not like in an abusive, oppressive way. Like when you're watching Transformers Age of Extinction, (laughs) where you might as well just put your head into a dryer along with, you know, four pounds of washers and just have a clink, 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 clink for three hours. That not, we're not talking about that kind of uh, sensory overload. We're talking about, you know, it, it's, you know, spurring your imagination. Um, I guess we should talk about how awesome Robert Armstrong is in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he pretty much carries the film. Um, I'd say, like, maybe one of the flaws, or maybe not a flaw, but just, like, the, the way the movie pans out is that his character has the most depth and intrigue. Because he's this, you know you know wild and crazy guy yeah who's eccentric he doesn't seem to have he he seems to be both good and bad you know he makes yeah. good decisions he makes terrible decisions yeah. you know he seems He's like really you, flawed yeah you can <laughs> see why people would be friends with him but you also understand why people wouldn't be friends right. with him because yeah. he's just he he's just toes the line yeah yeah because yeah. it's like he's willing to sacrifice people at the same time he does have at least some concern right over safety at certain points. Yeah. Like, there are some points where you see, like, his human side. Yeah. But everything else is just like, I just, I have to have it. Although, you have to put yourself in his position if you're, like, this ultimate showman dude. Yeah. And you arrived on Skull Island, you'd be willing to kill yeah. a couple, like, you know, motley screw, <laughs> crew members or yeah. whatever. Like, oh, yeah, the guy got eaten by a brontosaurus, but look at this footage we got. This is amazing. Look. If it costs a little semen, it's worth it. <laughs> words to live by, Nathan. Words to live by. Um, 
Faye Ray was having an amazing 1932. She was in like 11 movies. Yeah. Okay. She was in a movie, by the way, co-currently when she was in King Kong. She was in The Most Dangerous Game. Made on the same made set. Made on the same fucking set. Okay. So she she was working like 24 hours a day. She didn't sleep. She, yeah. It was like when Michael J. Fox was on Family Ties and making Back to the Future Part 1 at the same time. He slept two hours a night. You know, that's why he turned into the werewolf. Nobody gets me. <laughs> Anyways, Faye Ray was like amazingly like like she was on fire in in, in the early thirties and she was like she And a huge career expanding yeah, yeah, yeah. from the silent era. She just she's amazing and this the thing she's asked to do and the fact that like you know, you're given this impossible task of like, hey, the character Andero is gonna be screaming for half the movie, but she can't be annoying. And she pulls that off. Yeah. She's like totally cool. When they bring her back to the thing, she's like, she doesn't even want any of the whiskey. She's like, no, I'm fine. Yeah. She like walks it off. You know? How how awesome is that? You yeah. know? She was like the first badass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was great. This is pre uh alien. It's also pre coat. Yeah. <laughs> so she definitely forgot to pack her bra for the voyage. Yeah. You can tell in a few seconds. I mean, this is nineteen thirty three, right before, you know, the nail of the uh, Legion of Decency and the Catholic League, you know, really stuck it into the Hollywood system. Um which led to, you know, years of self-censorship till about, you know, 1960, 61, yeah. uh, when you could, you know, show a little more. Right. Um, but yeah, um, you get films like this and like, you know, Tarzan, King of the Jungle, you know, where you're a little, you know, able to see a little bit more, you're, maybe you're, a, you know, butt cheek here and there, <laughs> a nipple, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's oops, all, just, oops, <laughs> you know, it's all, you know, the beautiful... You know, human body. It's yeah. the beauty of God's creation or whatever. Get over it. No big deal. Run. Pay me money. Relax. Hey, buddy. Relax. Anyways, um, so let's see. What else? I mean, we could go on. We could, lit- again, we could talk for like an hour. Well, I do want to mention Bruce Cabot was just a waiter at a restaurant. And, really? And uh, like, it was like Marion C. Cooper like, like got dinner from him. Mm-hmm. It was just like, oh, okay, you're Jack Driscoll now. Yeah. So, like, you know, that's how that happened. He yeah. was just a waiter in New York or uh, Los Angeles. So, like, you know, that's how that happened. And uh, he is pretty great in this movie. He reminds me, especially in some scenes, of, like, Harrison Ford. Yeah. Like, there's in a certain, like, there's a certain way his look, there's sort of a certain, like, mischievous look in his eyes and a couple of scenes where it's like, you could trick stupid people on youtube and like just make a video called harrison ford goes back to 1933 yeah and they probably buy it yeah um same people who buy king kong goes to Edo. yeah (laughs) yeah but yeah he's pretty great in this movie and he seems like the only sensible person on the voyage yeah i mean the 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 skipper seems sensible englehorn yeah, but like he's kind he's, of a wet towel. He's a bit of a wet towel, and he's—you can see that his will is easily sort of uh, like corrupted by Denim's presence. Like, yeah, like almost everything. Denim's like, well, we're gonna just dock on the island, and we're gonna bring Anne aboard, and we're gonna do all this, and you can—the skipper's just gonna be like, uh, I don't think we should. But all right, you know, he, he never really puts his foot down, and certainly he should have. Uh, <laughs> a couple of. Uh, couple of spots i did want to say that like you know king kong it was 1933 and it's this crazy time where it's like this was the last time where they were that you could make this movie and have it and have the plot be like oh they 
they found an island that was uncharted and there were dinosaurs on it. Like, you could still do that in 1933. You can't do that now, you know. So it is, on top of everything else that we've been talking about, it's absolutely this time capsule of a movie where it's like this sort of the last before the, you know... I don't know, before the TV age started, before everything became sort of this weird sort of technicolor. Everything like, had to be explained. Everything had to be explained. Like There's sort of this weird cynicism where it's just like, oh, we found everything. And before the Twilight Zone and before all of that, this is still the last time of just sheer sort of wonder where it's yeah. just like, oh, well, maybe, yeah. you know, if we got a boat, maybe we could find a place like this. And who knows? movies were made. Adventure to make you wonder if it's true while your eyes convince you that it is. Truly the thrill of thrills. Don't miss it this time. begins with the old Arabian proverb that I read at the beginning of the episode. And before that, the RKO. Oh, uh, yes, the RKO. KO, radio uh, pictures. Uh, logo pops up. The studio famous. that uh, later brought us Citizen Kane and Alfred Hitchcock's Notorious. Mm -hmm. uh, very, you know, uh, slightly more adventurous um, studio from Hollywood, I think, around the time of uh, United Artists. They were uh, more risk takers. Uh, just gives you something a little different than Warner Brothers or MGM. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah. Yeah. And um, it uh, goes with that quote, which is essentially a summation of Beauty Killed the Beast, which is really one of the the theme, along with some of the other stuff that uh, Nate and I were talking about earlier, about industrialization and what have you. But uh, that's... You know, if you're gonna, the quick takeaway, the one sentence description of King Kong is, is, you know, beauty killed the beast. And we know this because it's repeated a good, like you know, 12 times. times. Yeah. Well, it was. Film. Yeah. Uh, you know, in case we didn't get it already, you know, it's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's repeated to us. Um. Yeah, so it, it we, we start in like a, a dock area in the New York Harbor, 1933. We've got a casting agent talking to a sailor who's uh, talking uh, about he's the... He's either a sailor or, like, just a crazy... Like, old man that just yeah. happens to be there. Like a oh, he's, you're, he's you're like talking Puso to me? He's, like, in Revenge of the Pink Panther. It's like a salty seaman. Yeah. Know? He's just, oh, well... Well, this, uh, this is a huge ship, and they got twice the amount of seamen a ship like this needs, and yeah. it's got you know, all this extra equipment. Like He seems to know quite a lot about what's going on in the ship, you know, who Denim is. Yeah. 
what you know the fact that denim's got a lot of ammunition mm. that he the how denim films like adventure films and like yeah. with lions and he goes into extreme detail i'm not sure how he knows all of this but well he's a he's a salty seaman i mean he is a like salty if seaman. you've seen any movie with you know an old sailor like they know everything absolutely everything and uh, they have a story to go with <laughs> the guy he's talking to is, uh, I'd say, like an investor or, or something. No, he's, he's an agent. Oh, oh yeah, he, he's, he's a talent lo- agent. Yeah, and he is reporting to Mr. Denham yeah. that uh, he has not found a girl yeah. who they, they need for this voyage. This is that really... That he won't explain why. Yeah, he's the only English-speaking character, this talent agent guy who gets to wipe his hands of all this destruction and terror yeah. and, and, and bloodlust at yeah. the end of this movie and gets away scot-free. Yeah. This is not the fate of Carl Denham, as we will see at the beginning of Son of Kong. Yeah. But this guy gets out. This guy gets out while the getting's good. Yeah. Um, he's like, yeah, he's like, this Denham, this idea of going to, uh, just not even telling people where you're going yeah. or how long you're going to be there, what you expect them to do, plus you have the reputation for just shoving cameras in like tigers faces like i couldn't find an actress for this movie yeah. you're making sorry you know is essentially what he says so uh denim uh, says well i'm gonna you know just go out on the streets <laughs> gotta, you know and gotta, find a girl even if i have to marry her yeah i and, gotta do what i do best work the streets yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh my oh my <laughs> so uh he does and kind of uh, while this is an action film we kind of see you know new york Great Depression, yeah, New York. Yeah. We see, you know, lines at soup kitchens, you know, a guy w- w- screaming at a woman for touching an apple. Yeah, and Maybe. she could have been buying it. Yeah. She could have just been grabbing it and being like, I'm going to buy this, this. apple. But he immediately runs from the thing. He's like, you're going to steal it three times last week, blah, blah, blah. And luckily, Denim is there to stop this. By handing him a dollar. By handing him a dollar, at which he looks at the dollar and he's like, well, you know, I'm going to eat well for a month now because yeah. I have one American dollar. And Anne Darrow, played by the the great Faye Ray, uh, looks up at, at Carl Denham. And she faints. She's, she faints. Cause, and, probably because she's starving. Because she's hungry. Yeah. You know, like, she's, this, is, this is a little bit of excitement for her, sure. Um, but, you know, Anne Darrow, just, she faints because she is... Like emaciate because she's so hungry because it's the fucking depression, you know. Yeah. Like she's like she was stealing that apple, not because it was cool and stoic like Bruce Wayne at the beginning of Batman Begins, you know, but because she was like literally okay. She didn't get the apple, and that was the last of her energy, and she faints. Yeah, you know. So uh, Denim takes her to like a, a, a cafe or what we would refer to as like a soda jerk now, or like he gets her a cup of coffee to sort of like you know, bring her back to life. And he says, you know, it's going to be the thrill of a lifetime. And, and you need come with me on this voyage. I need an actress. And she's like, well, you know, I mean, she's got no choice. She has no choice. She's just gone from fainting from starvation to being told, I'm going to take you to the other side of the world. Right. And you will want for nothing. Right. Like who wouldn't go with that? Yeah. And it's, you know, you, you watch it today and you're like, because we, we've seen the story and we know the story. We know Carl Denham's a good guy and that he's straight and he's on the line, as it were. And, like, 
we know that he can be trusted to an extent. Yeah. But, like, she doesn't know that. Yeah, she thinks he, he's trying to rape her or yeah, yeah. So, something. Like, like, well, well it, rape could definitely, or, like, being sold into, like, prostitution yeah. or any any hideous, you know, monstrous thing he could be like, a pimp. like yeah. that could be and most likely is going to be what's going to happen. Like, yeah. or at least, at least it could. Like, but she's like, she has no, she has no choice. It's either that or starve to death. Yeah. And so, like, yeah, she says yes. And so now, she's yeah. she's, uh, she's on the voyage. Yeah. So uh, you know they're off, and you know Denim is insisting they you know travel around what what was then known as the Dutch East Indies, now known as Indonesia, uh, travel around that area. But he doesn't say specifically. Where yet? So, uh, and Darrow uh, is then introduced to John Driscoll, who is a, you know, the tough, you know, first mate, uh, who, you know, doesn't care for women, uh, for three minutes. And yeah, <laughs> for three well, minutes. Well, <laughs> I, I think it's, it's weird with Jack Driscoll because I, it's like, I'm not sure if he's ever even been around a woman before. It, you get the impression that, like, He's just been told by other gruff men his entire life, like, women are trouble. Steer, yeah. steer clear of them. Or whatever. Yeah. And he's like, oh, is that what women are? Okay, they're trouble. Yeah. So, when, you know, Faye Ray comes aboard, he's just like, you're trouble. Someone told yeah. me that women, you know, yeah. are, are trouble. So get away from me. Uh, you're like, you're lucky I didn't slap you or whatever, yeah. you know. And, uh, well, forever. Shower with a bunch of men. Now. I have to go shower with a bunch of seamen. Out of my way. <laughs> and for whatever reason, Faye Ray is just sort of like. Melts his heart. Yeah, melts his heart, but she's also like, you know, sort of smitten with him. I think she likes the sort of awkward. Han Solo. Oh, Han Solo. Well, he's, 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 he's kind of like uh, a nerd around her. Like, he doesn't <laughs> know what he's doing at all. And uh-huh. it's like, it's, it's very awkward. It's almost like he's never talked to a woman before at all. You uh-huh. know, so it's like uh, a lot of their scenes are very cute. Yeah. <laughs> it's there's not a whole lot of genuine heat. Yeah. But at the same time, it's not out and out revolting like, uh, you know, stuff from Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. <laughs> I hate sand. It's small and gets everywhere. Oh, Anakin, you're breaking my heart. Sorry. <laughs> um, you know, it's not that bad, but it's uh, it's it's you know, it's cute. It's cute. Yeah. Um, I, I guess the the screenwriter who is uh, the other director's uh, wife, after our good friend Ernest Walsh uh, died in 1932 after the first draft. Uh, this this woman came in and she she wrote the rest of the script. So it's yeah. it's sort of based on their courtship because they met on a ship yeah. as well. So it's like again these big sort of yeah. thing themes and and character arcs from the movie really just come from the directors' lives. It's yeah. just like let's just put our life up on the screen. Yeah. It's um, also no, there weren't a lot of you know, female writers. Yeah, many female editors, but many of them. But you know, editing is just that's you know right. get in the corner cut the film shut up right. you know so to have like a female writer is like a very big thing yeah yeah and the fact that it's you know number 43 movie in afi's greatest films of all time yeah that's good as well you know progressive uh thinking ish, from you know? everybody. progressive ish <laughs> and you know this movie is is a film of 1933 it yeah, is a film of time so like we the, could talk the, about the, charlie yeah the next scene is and and uh darrow talking to charlie who is actually played by uh victor Wa- an actual chinese yeah person like the fact that this is not i mean it could have just easily been 
some white guy in right with a yellow face. Shoe mustache yeah. glued onto his. They had face no problem doing that with the Charlie Chan series or Doctor or Mister Moto. You know, so like this is like it's like he's a caricature, but at the same time he's actually played by a Chinese person. Yeah, <laughs> uh, a lot of his dialogue is very difficult to understand, yeah. and you have to concentrate. And he's still pretty funny, and he is one of the only crew members who survives the slaughter on Skull Island. Mm-hmm. Uh, to to uh, make it back and is actually in Son of Kong. So yeah. that's a pretty big thing in and of itself. So his character yeah. importance skyrockets yeah. uh, in part two. But, like, yeah, he's he's pretty awesome. And um, so, yeah, they there's a couple of scenes. There's an appropriate amount of time spent on the boat uh, in this version of King Kong. Um, and Well, and at this point in time, the crew doesn't know what they're doing. Yeah. They just know that they're going somewhere for, you know, Denim, who they, they know his reputation. He, you know, goes to exotic places, films exotic right. animals and people. Well, Denim finally, when they get to the right spot, lets them know, okay, we're going to make a left right here and we're going to find this island. And he got this, you know, information, you know, from a Norwegian skipper. Right. Uh, from contacted, Singapore. yeah, there was a boat of people from Skull Island, and the boat crashed, and all of them died except one, and the guy, the one guy made this incredibly detailed topographical map of Skull Island, which I have no idea how he could uh, make such a detailed map. Especially like, since he only he lived like, on one side of the island. Unless like, maybe they were riding on the Paradons, uh you know, oh, maybe like, and he just had like, he was just overseas, but like maybe Dinotopia and Skull Island are actually the same place. Anyways, <laughs> this is the famous scene where Carl Denham's like, tell me, Skip, have you ever heard of Kong? And Skipper's like, why? Why? Yes. Why? Yes. <laughs> it's like, so like people know about Kong, but they like, they don't, they've never seen him before. So like, it's a, it's a legend. It's know? a legend. Yeah, and that's that's what uh, Denim goes for. He you know goes to film legends. Yeah. yeah. So know. like this, it's not unlike the Loch Ness monster. Yeah. Where it's like people know about it. It's like sort of general knowledge, this Kong thing, but everyone thinks it's bullshit. Yeah. Much like the Loch Ness monster. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, so yeah, Carl Denim's like, yeah, that's what we're going for. <laughs> And the skipper's like, whatever. Yeah. You know, it's and, either and this I, or go back to New York. And it's just <laughs> and like, like, well, what if we actually find Kong? And Carl Denham says, well, now you know why I brought those gas bombs. Oh, yeah. They had these <laughs> gas bombs, which looked like a gren- like twice the size, and but like the shape of a grenade. Yeah, big-ass grenades. Um, Denham's got these smoke bombs. He's like, don't worry about it. Even if we run into Kong, we'll knock him out. Because this gas is very powerful. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. Where he got these gas bombs from? Probably the Kaiser. The <laughs> Kaiser, or like maybe he's friends with some experimental Munitions like weapons. Yeah, yeah, it's like, wow, Denim, I've developed these special <laughs> bombs that could knock out a gorilla that's ten times its normal size, yeah. you know? I don't know why I'd ever use such a thing, but here's 70 of them. <laughs> uh, you get them for free. So, like, yeah, I don't, you know... That's yeah. a that's a bit of a plot hole, but the movie is about a giant ape that runs dinosaur land. So you yeah, know, let's not let's not <laughs> let's love not. to do it too much. Yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, 
So they eventually make their way to uh, Skull Island. They find it. It's through a reef. Uh, you know, not too much drama there. Um, and sure enough, it is this, you know, kind of like odd, ominous island with a skull. Yeah. On the high, you know, the mountain looks like a skull. And I want to say, like, from the first shot of Skull Island, when you have those little, like, bird things flying around, yeah. it is stunning from that first shot when yeah. they're still on the boat. It's like, oh, we're in another world. Yeah. It, it's, you know, it's kind of like a, a heart of darkness like thing. Yeah, or, yeah. or uh, you know, or maybe even Apocalypse Now, if you want to do something more contemporary. Or just, maybe even Richard Stanley's uh, The Island of Dr. Moreau. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like Richard Stanley's <laughs> Island of Dr. Moreau. Where instead of King Kong, they had Marlon Brando. Who <laughs> <laughs> would need more than 70 gas bombs to take down. All he needed was an ice bucket strapped to his head. For reasons that are still unclear. <laughs> Enough about that film. Uh, anyways. But, uh, yeah, so they decide, uh, well, we're here. So they go uh, to the island with... Uh, with Feyre and, and, and uh, Bruce Cabot. And the skipter, because he speaks uh, the languages... Or he, he, he speaks he, apparently every language. Every language. Fluently. Yeah. Uh, Including so, Skull Island. Skull Island language. Like, like he, he mentions later that it sounds similar to another language, which yeah. is true. Like, right. you know, Thai and Lao. They, and also, there languages. is some talk of, like, the civilization that built the wall is not the same civilization of natives who live there now. So possibly these natives, like migrated to Skull Island from mm. a different island and maybe that's why the skipper like knows the dialect he's very Robert Armstrong is very clear in the scene he's like the you know the the technology to build this wall is not in possession of of these natives now it's beyond them yeah well i think and, he and said the skipper that... says it looks egyptian so it's like yeah. uh it was mu mu built it yeah mu like, yeah, mu. yeah it's it's borderline mu yeah you know, um, so Manda, so yeah. so, I mean, a monster that looks exactly like Manda is yeah. in this movie. Exactly. Yeah. Manda with bigger legs. So they, um, they go to the island and they find, you know, all these huts, but there's no one there. They find a bit of a celebration going on of some sort. Yes. And, uh, led by Noble Johnson. Yes. Good old Noble Johnson. And, um, they begin to film when Noble Johnson notices them yes. and suddenly all the natives surround um the party uh and we find out through translation that uh there's this woman who's being you know adorned with flowers mm -hmm. and jewels and it's because she is the bride of kong so and the um the uh, priest the native priest uh or medicine man uh says that because they have seen what's going on it has been ruined Right. You know. So now they're pissed. So now they're pissed. But the medicine man also notices Fay Ray, who is a blonde. Yes. And they are would, rather scarce around here. Yeah, they are rather scarce. And Kong would be more pleased if he had a blonde for a bride, as opposed to, you know, a native bride, because he's only had native brides for, you know, God knows how long. You yes. Know. It's nice to add, you know, just a little mix. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so, uh, naturally they refuse on moral grounds, uh, even though the chief did offer 10 of his women yes. for one Fay Ray, and I'm not saying that's a terrible deal, I'm just saying 
maybe 11, 12, right, you right. know, would have been better. Uh, it was the 30s. Anyways. Uh, so they go back to the ship and they are kind of thinking about, well, what can we do? Like, the natives are kind of pissed at them, but they're not trying to kill them. So it's like, you know, yeah. what... The, the natives never fully turn on Denim or his crew. They kidnap yeah. Ant. Yeah. But that's out of but that's desperation. Desperation because yeah. they want to keep the god on the other side of the wall appeased. Yeah. So they're not they never full out go to war with Denim. Yeah. I think maybe they understand that they wouldn't win or whatever. I don't, it's never yeah. clear. Or maybe explained. that's just they don't feel like killing. Yeah. They just like we need this. This is a necessity. This is their way of life. Yeah. Yeah. So um they kidnap uh Faye and uh you know, nobody notices it until Charlie finds a flower and, you know, calls well, uh, all hands on deck. He calls all, all hands on deck and, and uh, mutters the immortal line, crazy black man been here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, uh, this movie, look, this movie's made in 1933. Yeah. Okay, so the depictions of the natives are insanely racist. Yeah. Okay? You know, Let, let's not beat around the bush yeah. anymore. The, even though all the natives <laughs> are played by... People of color. Like, right. no one's in blackface. It's still... It's still... You still get this hint that, it's, like... It's it's difficult it's to value. watch It's... It, yeah. You know. It's not... Uh, um, it has not aged well. No. At all. You can say it's better... I mean, it's better than Birth of a Nation. Right. But, you know, that's saying Shut a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's saying a lot. So, um... But, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's 1933. 1933. What, what can you do? Civil rights movement is still... 30 years away yeah at this point planes had just been invented 10 years ago (laughs) you know like uh they're barely like some people were still using horse-drawn carriages at this point you know like this is um you know sadly the way hollywood works and in some cases if you've seen uh transformers 2 the way hollywood still works yeah well the Uh, way michael bay (laughs) if he had his struthers (laughs) Uh, would uh, would like to have things still work. Yeah. I saw that Benghazi trailer that, yeah. for his new film. I didn't realize that the uh, improvised explosives that the insurgents were using in that offensive created so many beautiful sparks. Yeah, showers of beautiful photogenic sparks, <laughs> along with all the you know explosions. So that was really interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It sort of looked like Bad Boys One. <laughs> Anyway. Benghazi boys? I can't. God. Ugh. Ugh. Krasansky is not allowed to speak in the trailer at all. So maybe he doesn't even have any lines. I'd actually be kind of cool if he was mute. Uh, anyways, way off topic. Anyways, so uh, racism is in Hollywood. That, Sorry. That, that's the point. Yeah. You know, we would like it to be otherwise, but it's this, ugly. Is, this, is the, uh, this is the ugly face of Hollywood. Yeah. You know, and if we're going to talk about this movie, we have to be honest about its flaws, even if they are a product of its time, you know, this is still not a flattering depiction of people of color. No. So, anyways, so, um, so yeah, so they immediately go to the island to try and rescue Anne from the natives. <clears throat> the natives have already adorned Faye, and she's been, like, half knocked out, and they have put her on the other side of the wall, where there is this, um, um, uh, what should we call it? Stage. Sacrificial. Altar. Deus. Altar. So she's tied to that, and the natives bang this gong on the top of the wall. And, you know what that is? 
What? The Kong Gong. The Kong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah, Gong by the uh, the band Tyrannosaurus Rex. I thought this was King Kong, not King Gong. <laughs> and then Anyways. David O'Sullivan went on to produce Gong with the Wind. <laughs> In which they burned this set in Gong with the Wind. They actually did burn this the yeah. the the the, um, the giant door set in Gone with the Wind because so it looked just that. like Atlanta. Yeah. It's a, but yeah. Um, now, mind you, this is when King Kong appears, and if you include the overture, this is about forty minutes into the film. Over forty minutes into the film. Yeah. So, like, we have been. You know, the pacing of this film is good enough to keep us this far, and we're rewarded because Kong shows up, and it is amazing. Yeah. Um, uh, and now, basically, all hell breaks loose. Um, Kong, you know, his first appearance on screen is nothing more than one of the most amazing moments in the history of movies. You know, it's, 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 you can feel the, the floor drop out. And I'm sure it was the same way for people in 1933. The only thing, if, if, if people are listening to this who watched the first Jurassic Park in the theater, when mm-hmm. the, when the T-Rex first comes out of the, the Tyrannosaur, Tyrannosaur paddock and seeing that for the first time and just feeling this sort of, okay, we're being removed from reality now and we're in a fantasy world yeah. and it's totally encompassing and, you know, that's the rules have that's changed. what it is. Yeah, the rules, it's a game changer. Yeah, <laughs> you know. The most dangerous game changer. It's the most dangerous game changer. <laughs> By the way, uh, Faye Ray's was a brunette, she's a natural brunette, and she, she you know, as I've said, she was filming The Most Dangerous Game at the same time as King Kong, two, like, violent action movies that required a ton of running through this mm. jungle. So she went out and bought the the wig because she's like, oh, no, Anne Darrow should be blonde so I can tell the difference between... So I can tell what movie I'm on. <laughs> so I'll know what set I'm on. <laughs> so, like, so I can keep track of what's going on because uh, I'm not sleeping anymore. So she was the one who picked out the blonde wig. Mm-hmm. That's a little tidbit, but I think that's pretty fucking yeah. amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, so like Kong shows up it changes movie history yeah. <laughs> because it is, you know, you can, you could look at it today and be like, Oh, that's stop motion. But at the time people were like, Oh no, that's a 40 foot tall gorilla. Yeah. And which was added by the fact that they had an animatron at, you know, right. a 40 foot yeah, or a, a bus. They were smart. The head. Yeah. They were smart about it. And they did the same thing that Spielberg did in the first Jurassic park. And that is they changed shit up. So you don't use the same trick more than like two or three times in a row. And so you keep people guessing. Yeah. You know, and that's how you got to do it. Yeah. Um, mix it up. Mix it up. So, um, so now shit just goes crazy. Yeah. So, you know, Denim and the party <laughs> sees like the trail end of Kong right. going, and it's Jack just like Jack is the only one who sees it. He yeah. just looks through the peephole at the bottom of this, yeah. and uh, and he sees Kong, and he has this look of terror. And on mind his face. you, at this point, they had no reason to believe that Kong was real, right? Kong was just, you know, as far as they were concerned, they were just going to film the natives right. and, and go home. Yeah. or something. And yeah. that would be it. But no. So then they go through the wall, and once again, they are, like, in shit another just, world. Yeah, shit just gets crazy immediately and sustained. Yeah. So first, a they stegosaurus. face a stegosaurus, which they, they kill 
Well, and, uh, yeah. But like for, the the setup of it is a rear projection shot with a, uh, a sort of a push in through on set like foliage that was yeah. real, and it is absolutely convincing and it works great and yeah. it just looks it just again it just it just puts you there mm-hmm. you know the jungles in king kong are some of the greatest primeval jungles of any movie ever yeah like they went nuts yeah you know like there's never a scene in the jungle where there's less than like seven or eight layers of like shit yeah. going on animals flying you yeah. know and you know pro- most of them animated yeah. So there's a lot going on. The the depth uh, to <laughs> it's so dense. It's just well, yeah. It's like so dense, but it, unlike the end of Attack of the Clones, it doesn't make your eyeballs want to bleed. <laughs> no, it's uh, it, it's there. It's for a reason. It sets atmosphere. Yes, okay. atmosphere. It's, it's, it's there it's to the purpose to tell the story. Yeah, you're using it as a tool to tell the story. Yeah, the story is you're in another world. And it's a different place, and that's where they are. So, yes, of course. Yeah. There's going to be, and so that's why it all works. So, yeah. So, first, the Stegosaurus, which they, you know, straight up murder. They murder, and they manage not to have any of the members of the crew killed. Killed. They kill yeah. the Stegosaurus, and at which point, uh, Denim uh, says the line, something from the dinosaur family. So I don't think he's a paleontologist. No. <laughs> but he, maybe that was what where paleontology was at in 1933. <laughs> it's just like, oh, this is the da- dinosaur family of animals. <laughs> but like, um, yeah, like, yeah. and it looks amazing. And like, yeah. just, just, again, this is where the genius of Willis O'Brien starts coming through. It's this sort of, uh, you know, tracking shot as Denim and his crew walk past this ostensibly dead stegosaurus and you get you know you see these you know you see its head and Mm -hmm. just the the beautiful like the way the shot is structured like first he shoots it in the head again and it's like kind of shakes and (laughs) it's sort of violent and like sad (laughs) yeah and weird you feel bad for the stegosaurus but at the same time it's like yeah no they had to kill it because it was was going going to kill kill them them. but like it's clearly a living thing yeah i feel bad and you feel like they've become part of the jungle it's like they're now in this it's either we kill right. or get killed, right. and this continues yeah, throughout yeah. The, the, and, the sequence. And they so they kill it, and they're walking past these plates, and these plates on its back are just gigantic. And it's just like you see the whole thing, and then at the end of the shot, its tail is just sort of whipping and sort of spasming and going into the, like these death movements, you know, like the the like dying reflex actions of yeah. its body, and it's really fucked up and weird, yeah, you know, and you're just looking at it, you're like. Like, yeah, you know, we're this, not in New York anymore. We're not in New York, and we're also like, this is a different, like, like that's a brutal detail yeah. to leave in. And yeah. that's something I don't think they would put that in a movie today, unless it was like Michael Bay in a Transformers movie, like, because he's, he's sort of a brutal tyrant, and like, he likes killing things in a spectacular way. But like, it, but this it just is pre code. Like, it's pre code, and it just seems like, you know, showing that adds this whole other element to it of like, it's now it's like this sort of weird fucked up wildlife yeah. video or whatever. It's, it's very like somehow wild. of dinosaurs. Yeah. You know, so it's like it, it takes you even further, yeah. you know, and it's great. And then yeah. that's just one. Of yeah, that's like, just one. They go to the swamp. They see King Kong or they hear King Kong swimming across. 
So they do the logical thing and just build a raft. Build a raft. They build Instantly. a fucking raft. Yeah. It's just like a <laughs> through, dissolve. Through the power of the cross dissolve. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised raft. they didn't use Star Wipe. But. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they just have a raft. They just have a raft. They go after a raft and a brontosaurus immediately, it doesn't immediately, but it sort of comes up and scopes them out and then comes up and pops his head up. And this is the only that I can tell creature in the film that is completely um, realized without the use of any stop motion animation. And I think it's because it's submerged in water. Well, I think the part of it in water. The part in water, sorry. When it's attacking them in water, when it's destroying the raft and eating them in the water quite graphically, um, that is, I'm thinking it's a puppet. Yeah. Because you can't, at that time... You could have a stop animation character in water, but water is very hard to do with stop motion. So liquid is easy to manipulate, as you see, like later in the T Rex, in the use of blood. Right, you can do that, but water itself, it's just better to use a puppet. Yeah, Um, and so that's what they do. Brontosaurus destroys the raft and horrifically eats like five people. Yeah, and like (laughs) you, you really feel like I mean, it's it's like seeing like you know. Like, it's like Mortal Kombat. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's really like gruesome. You know? Yeah, <laughs> and it just keeps going on from here because after they like leave the guy to and, his doom. Yeah, well, and a guy like tries to outrun, and even as like when I was like four watching this, a guy swims out of the water yeah. and he tries to outrun the brontosaurus uh, and tries to escape it by climbing up a tree. Yeah, and it's like you idiot! <laughs> like oh. that's the one way you. Cannot escape a brontosaurus, you know. Try running between his legs and making a trip or something, but yeah. like, don't climb up onto something tall. You see how tall its neck is? Yeah. You've really all you've done is just take away the hard work for it. Now <laughs> it doesn't even have to bend down its super long neck to eat you. Now it can just be like, oh, you're right at mouth level. Thank you. <laughs> oh. and that's what it does, and it does eat him. And that that sailor, whoever his name is, yeah. his death is prolonged. Yeah. And it made me think of Jurassic World. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like this is a death that comes out of nowhere. Yeah. It's prolonged for no reason. Um, it is a very violent movie. Yeah. It's extremely violent. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, th- this makes Little Caesar, you know, a film that just came out like three years later, look like nothing. you know nothing. Yeah. It's yeah. like pacifist propaganda comparatively. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, uh, they I think- then. It's it's great too, like pre raft and post raft because pre raft they all have their guns. I thought you meant George Raft. <laughs> no. Okay, sorry. Uh, <laughs> they all have their guns and they're all like we're in control. And then after this brontosaurus attack, they are all running. Like some have lost their shoes. They don't have yeah. any guns anymore. They're like uniforms are all tore up. They're all just like Wah! they're yeah. just like a rabble, you know. And they immediately run onto this log, and Kong has sort of moved. Uh, and Darrow into like a safe little area or whatever and he's kind of like you know just sort of chilling out over there but he hears them going on the log and he's like what? and he runs back and he finds them Driscoll uh, being the smart guy that yeah. he is he sees Kong running at them he sees the log he sees the chasm I think he understands what's about to happen yeah. so he grabs a vine and he lowers himself into a little cave yeah. where he's I'm not even going to say safe. No one is ever safe when they're on Skull Island. No, but like, he's just like, he's in a better place. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's at least able to defend himself yeah. 
in the cave. Yeah, he has maybe not the higher ground, but the better ground. Right, exactly. Whereas uh, the the unfortunate you know seamen on the log yeah. are just you know they're doomed. They are holding on for dear life. Kong brutally <laughs> fucking murders and, them, and it's they again it's fall, a, it's every a, death yeah. we you know yeah, yeah. is each each guy dies individually. And for each guy, he falls off the log, and we get to see him fall, and we get to hear, hear him his scream until and, his neck yeah, fucking breaks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For each one of them, this happens like five times, their, their screams get cut off when they hit the ground, which is like, you know, obviously it's instant death yeah. or whatever, which is like very upsetting. Yeah. But then again, you know, people like Marion C. Cooper, they fought in yeah, yeah, two exactly, wars. Exactly. Like, this, this is, is like, like, this, this is, is what they, this is what <laughs> death is like. Yeah, they're like, yeah, that's death. What, yeah. yeah. What's the big Yeah, death? it's like watching All Quiet on the Western Front, you know, where that movie was made by veterans. Right. You know, you see the real grotesqueness of war in that film right, because right. it's just like, no, there's nothing romantic about this. People die. Right. So, um, yeah. So, uh, then Kong tries to get at, uh, Driscoll, but he's distracted by Feyre's screams. Well, okay. Also, there is a monster that comes up from the pit, from the cut snake pit sequence. Yeah. And like a little, like, well, it looks like a giant Komodo dragon, basically. Without, le- he's got like front legs, but no back legs. Yeah, front, front legs, but no back legs. And so he, that thing's climbing up to get Driscoll. Driscoll cuts, cuts a rope. Cuts the, the vine rope thing and it, I guess, falls to its death. Yeah. Or at least it's back in the pit. So it's been neutralized. So that threat. And then Kong hears that and he's like, reaches over to try and get Driscoll. But then a T-Rex starts attacking Faye So like, you don't get a break. Like, this is just action, 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 yeah. action. Like, we, it, like, it just keeps going. Yeah. So Kong, you know, hears Faye Ray's in trouble. Uh, so he, you know, starts laying waste to this Tyrannosaurus. Like, it's this is amazing. a beautiful beatdown. Yeah. All right. Like, probably one of the best, like, fight sequences in film history. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a great, it's a great fight. I mean, there's, there's sucker punches in it. There's flips. There's, like, wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it, it's just, it's just great. There's the part where, you know... Uh, Fay Ray's up in this sort of dead tree that's sort of removed of all of its branches. Yeah. So it's just sort of almost like a giant hand. Yeah. That's reaching like a giant arm almost. And like the T Rex, where she's cupped yeah. in, the, in in the fist, and, and it like, like bumps into yeah, her yeah, and yeah. she falls. Kong, yeah. The T Rex backs Kong up, and it it you know it causes the tree to fall over with her in the top. And the camera follows her, yeah. So it like pans up to the sky, and you're just yeah. watching this, and you're just like, 1933, yeah. They made and this, they use like, zooms how and they like do all this, this other know? stuff yeah. that like we barely use today, right? Like we barely are this, you know, right. kinetic with our camera work. I'm glad today. we're so excited about this because King Kong Lives is so terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it's all downhill from it's here. All down here it's from all downhill. It's all downhill. <laughs> so Kong breaks the T-Rex's jaw in like five different places. Yeah, and blood is oozing out. Yeah, yeah. Like if we haven't, you know, if we haven't like emphasized the violence of this film before, like this is just like really fucking violent. You almost feel terrible for this Tyrannosaurus. It's his fucking face, and later we realize it's still breathing! Yeah, it's still breathing, so it's still alive, it's just its neck's broken, so it's gonna take a while for it to die. Yeah. Which is so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, 
yeah, Kong scoops her up, and uh, Jack sort of climbs up, and Driscoll sort of pulls himself together from. He's finally because he got his he got his um, he got his uh, shirt caught on a branch during the Brontosaurus chase. So he's yeah. gone back. He frees himself of that. Uh, he catches uh. up. Um, or, or sorry, Carl Denham catches up with Jack Driscoll at this point, and he he yells down both on opposite sides of the the chasm, as yeah. it were, that the uh, tree mm-hmm. was using uh, was was had fallen over to create a bridge. That bridge has now been destroyed. That was the end of that sequence, by the way, as Kong breaking the fucking tree, and the last guy who's holding on to, like, a knob on the tree, he gets it the worst. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, so, uh, Jack, uh, Driscoll says to Denim, you know, he tells him everything, and he tells him to go back to the village, and he says, you know, I'm going after Anne, but you guys gotta be ready for when we come back. And then he says, don't get yourself killed till you see Englehorn. Which I always thought was an amazing yeah. line. He's like, Jack Driscoll does not care if Carl Denham gets killed at this point. Yeah. You know, he's just like, but don't get killed until you've said this information to Englehorn, the the skipper. Yeah, and then you, that's fine. You can get killed. So yeah. you could detect that's one of the rares in this sort of orgy of like monster destruction and like you know mixed emotions, dinosaur <laughs> death. That you get some indication of like, oh no, Driscoll like holds Denim personally responsible for yeah. all of this carnage. So like, uh, it's at this point you almost suspect Denim if he was like you know a, a character now he would just you know fucking leave them <laughs> to their death, right, right, and like, come back later with yeah. an army. <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah. So they just, like Kong fights a snake thing that looks like Manda, Manda. yeah, and kills that. Kills that, uh, puts Faye down at like the top of like I guess he has to live on top, you know, king in the castle. Uh, has to yeah. live on top uh, of the of Skull Mountain, and it's when Kong is distracted fighting a pterodactyl. Yeah, that's uh, spelled with a P. Mm-hmm. Uh, just just letting you know. Yeah, there's no argument. Here, okay, buddy. okay, okay. Uh, when he's distracted fighting a pterodactyl, uh, he rescues Anne, and uh, he. They start climbing down a vine. Kong realizes what's going on, tries to pull them up. He kills so, the pterodactyl. Yeah, he kills the pterodactyl almost the same way. He, like, rips its beak, you yeah, know, yeah. half off. You know, you I guess... feel that, like, this is the day that Kong has discovered this strategy for winning fights. Yeah. He's like, I'm going to do this with everything. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. I wanted to say that as Driscoll and Anne are, like, climbing away, you get this great background shot of, like... The jungle below, and then you can see the wall, you can see the village, then you can see, like, the bay, then you can see the ship. Mm-hmm. Like, you can see all the geography is perfectly laid out in this background shot. Yeah. And it's just, like, you always know right where you are. Like, it's just, there's this perfect, like, the story is always perfectly told, you yeah. know? Like... Take notes, modern film directors. Watch King Kong, yeah. please, <laughs> please. Um, so Jack Driscoll and uh, Andero, um, they are almost hoisted up by Kong. So they jump and they fall like two miles into like 
a swamp mm. and do not break their necks. Yeah. But again, it's okay. It's a giant monkey man. Yeah. And fortunately, King Kong was nice enough to rip off half of, you know, Fay Ray's clothing. So yeah. when she's in the water, you can see, you know, you can see, stuff. You can see a lot. It's pre-code. Yeah. It's, yeah, pre-code. it's pre-code. You can see a lot. Um, so it's, you know, but it's, it's, we're, we're in the thrusting heat of excitement here, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, very thrusting. there's a lot of thrust. And so Driscoll and Anne make their way back to the door. And it's great because they have this conversation with, uh, Carl Denham and yeah. Carl's like, well, wait a minute, we've got what he wants. You know, he wants, he wants Anne, you know, it's yeah. like. We don't have to go back to him, you know, because Driscoll's like, we're never going to get him off the top of that thing. And it's sort of implied that Driscoll's going to use Anne as bait to lure him down. And, like, Driscoll, you get the sense that, like, because the next thing that happens is that Kong is, like, right behind them. And this this whole other game-changing effects sequence happens. But before that, you get the idea that, like... Jack Driscoll's just about ready to, like, draw his pistol and just shoot Denim dead. Yeah. <laughs> because he's so pissed off with, like, yeah, his bullshit at this point. It's like, this is not a carnival. Yeah, yeah. It's like, did you realize what we just went through? You yeah. Know, like, but, uh, you know, they don't have to, we don't have to see that scene because... Um, a Kong uh, shows up. Kong, Kong shows Kong up. Kong shows up. And, and he we get is the, pissed. And we get the, um, first, like, the, the sailors actually get the natives attention and they all work together they to work keep together. king kong from coming they in close the door they close the door the bar is put over it so it's like this is what they've always done yeah and but kong has never really had a reason to break into the village before yeah but he likes fey ray so much <laughs> so much <laughs> that he is not afraid to use his nails <laughs> yeah. oh my goodness <laughs> and he digs in and he breaks down this door one of the most iconic you know it's, shots it, like, in a movie it's one of like five shots in this movie where it's like it is still jaw dropping yeah to like look at it now and you it's still amazing yeah uh which is in and of itself amazing that it, that this film holds that much power still kong lays waste to the yeah. sailors and the inhabitants of skull island he yeah. destroys houses eats people brutally murders two men like by stomping their faces into the mud and that's exactly correct man and i want i'm glad you brought up those two those two guys that he stomps to death because God bless those those two stuntmen because that had to be the most terrifying experience of both of their lives. Yeah. The year is 1933. <laughs> Giant animatronics and precision controls therein <laughs> are not at their zenith. No. Okay. Okay, number 1, number 2, the, the, the in addition to being stomped on, this guy's in a giant like pool of mud and it goes up like past his head yeah so if the guys could join the big monkey foot uh accidentally like oh i don't know like put it down and like oh you know we can't lift it up for like uh, two minutes because we have to let the steam engine <laughs> like refill yeah. with steam or whatever the fuck yeah. they were using to control it like this guy's dead yeah you know so it's like Oh my god! Yeah. Like just watching it, I was right. just like, this is so insanely dangerous. Like, you know? to my knowledge, nobody died on this film, but, you know, there was a time when people died very frequently on film sets, yeah. especially on big budget epics like this, or, yeah. you know, Hell's Angels, or, uh, uh, I think. Gone uh, with the Wind. Yeah, Gone with the Wind, Ben Hur. 
Definitely, the original Ben Hur. <laughs> absolutely, people got killed in Ben Hur. Absolutely, um, but I, to, uh, to to our records, no one was killed on King Kong, and I'm going to put that in miracle territory. Yeah, there's these all these shots where like Kong like throws houses in the background, in the foreground, they just drop a house on people. Yeah, and this happens like four times. Yeah. They don't even show that in the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> yeah, mind you. Yeah, that, that's just, like it's like. This is like, we're actually going to yeah, show yeah, houses yeah. drop like, on people. Can you imagine 1933? It's like, well, I'm getting a, a job, extra work, the swell picture, the King Kong. Uh, well, what's your what's your job, Larry? Well, uh, it's going to be the scene where the monster's running amok, and uh, they're going to, he picks up a house, and he throws it, and then uh, I'm going to be the guy who runs in the foreground, and the house drops on him. Wait a minute, Larry, they're going to drop a house on you? Well, yes, yes but it's all, you know... Is there any insurance or perhaps uh, payment? Well, no. Yeah, it's half of a ham sandwich uh, for every 17 hours of work I do. Good old union, uh, pre-union works. Pre- pre-code, pre-union. Appreciate it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so just... You know, a brooder killing, this is all ended when he makes his way to the sea where he's driven everyone, and Denim finally uses a gas bomb on Kong. And knocks him out. Yeah. <laughs> which is, which is I, I hate to be nitpicky, but he tried that on the Stegosaurus, and they had to still kill the Stegosaurus. Whereas Kong, I guess, just yeah. needs one. But yeah. whatever. Yeah. So, uh, Carl Denham, I guess now that he has extra room on the ship because he's because killed of so many, many deaths, he's twelve just... of his crew members <laughs> met brutal, disgusting. Just death like, well, now we can just related. convert their rooms to Kong's yeah, room. Yeah, exactly. yeah. And that was an interesting sequence removed from the movie yeah. where they just knocked out the walls in those rooms and be like, "Okay, okay, twelve men. Kong's the size of twelve men. Twelve men got killed. Well, just knit him a blanket with the photos yeah. of each of their widows. I mean, there." are absolutely there's an entire movie's worth of shit of like how the fuck do they get kong to the boat how do they get him inside the boat what did they feed king kong during like the month-long trip back to new york how they get him off the boat in new york did they keep gas bombing him why wasn't (laughs) denim arrested during any of this you know uh so there's i think they just kept farting in his cage yeah the fact that it's just like you know he's like uh, we're millionaires, boys. I'll share with all of you. First of all, that's that line is amazing because yeah. it's like right there. Denim has made the deal and like told everybody about the deal right there. It's like, no, nope, I'm getting all the money and maybe I'll share it with you afterwards. You know, that's great. What what a showman. Yeah. You know, great, great work, Denim. Also, the fact that it just hard cuts from like them on the beach, be like, come on, guys, it'll be easy and fun. To, like, opening night of King Kong on Broadway yeah. or whatever. Who people... That's one of the great, yeah. you know, cuts ever. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you, you see the audience of this premiere, and you kind of get a feeling of what, you know, the upper bourgeois are well, like, you know, because these are people clearly not suffering from the Great Depression. Well, yeah, they say it was $20 for a ticket. Yeah, to this. ticket, and which like, is more than a movie right, ticket right. today. Yeah, yeah, and and remember, this is 1933, and earlier in this movie, Denim gives the guy one dollar to stop him from accusing Andero of stealing the apple, and he's like, "Well, I'm closing up shop early today, <laughs> and I won't have to work for the rest of the week because I've got a dollar." Yeah, <laughs> you know, so like, so there's like tickets to this they cost twenty dollars so you know yeah these, that's a lot yeah <laughs> and then one move, one woman you know with uh, is asking like one of this is back when you know theater patrons were um you know brought in by um 
what's she called? Like not bellboys, but like the theater staff would actually right. walk you to your seat. Yeah, ushers. Uh, yeah, ushers. That's it. <laughs> I, I should know this. I should know this. Ushers. Uh, uh, she complains to an usher that she's too close to the screen, and then he explains, "Well, it's actually not a movie." And she's just like, oh, well, I never. She I actually never. says, I never. I never. I never what? Saw something that wasn't a movie? And she's never going to do anything again never. after, to, after <laughs> this night. The front row seats to King Kong. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we get some behind, uh, literally behind the, the scenes, because uh, behind the curtain, uh, uh, Fay Ray, uh, Carl Denham, uh, <laughs> I'm getting everyone confused, and uh, Andrisco are all behind the scenes, uh, well Dressed, you know, and right. they're excited for the premiere, you know. Even though um, I'm not sure what this show is going to entail, other than yeah. them just raising the curtain and Kong being in chains every night and just yeah. having it be like pathetic and sad. Yeah, it's probably for the best what happens, even though hundreds of people get killed. Yeah. Well, this is maybe you know one of the the meta the many. I mean, there's so many different metaphors. People have been you know picking so many, and uh, uh, people of uh, in the 30s thought like, oh, this is us. This is us. We're in chains. You know, the depression is killing us. Other people said like, no, this is a metaphor for immigration or the black struggle. This is someone. This is a being. You know, this is an anthropomorphic being, you know, who has been taken from his land far away, is forced to come here. And then once he's here, he's like chained up. And when he dares break free, challenge the, you know, the, 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 the treatment he's received, you know, fights back and then is immediately murdered. Right. You know, so there's so many different like layers of metaphor we could go into. Because uh, we, do, but we don't have time. Right. So <laughs> just so look it up yourselves. Uh, <laughs> anyways, um, so uh, the press comes and uh, they, they shoot pictures. They shoot with pictures. Flashballs. Yeah. Well, this is after it's been revealed to the crowd. The crowd sees it, and um, yeah. Denim assures them there's no danger because the chains are made of, quote, unquote, chromed steel. Yeah. So they're going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know what that means, chromed steel, but no, it doesn't mean dick. Chrome. Uh, like it's, this, it's shiny steel. Certainly its performance in this film is not a winning endorsement of chrome steel. No, strength. like their, 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 uh, their stock is after the, today yeah, yeah. is going. <laughs> not only is the stock market crashed, but their stock has crashed yeah. after today. <laughs> Big time. Big time. Essentially what happens is the photographers, uh, they use a bunch of flash bulbs on Andero and Kong all in the same shot along with Jack Driscoll and uh, Kong is confused he thinks that they're attacking Anne which is odd because it's Denim that mentions this this is like where you get that that moment of like maybe he cares right. kind of where it's just like no he thinks you're attacking the girl right and the press just keeps going on and on they keep Flashing him until Kong can't take it anymore, and he breaks free. Yeah, and this is you know one. This is just uh, <sighs> you know John Landis has been was quoted in a documentary about the making of King Kong, along with like you know several other anyone mm. who enjoys watching or making movies loves this movie. But like just the constant invention. Yeah, there never is anything dull for more than like. A second, you know, yeah. never. I mean, even one second. No, there's never anything dull. It's just yeah. this. 
it's constantly upping itself and going yeah. and going going. It's like so you saw that that stuff on the island was crazy. Well, now he's in New York City, City running amok, running amok. One of the most amazing. He will kill yeah. at will. He he he. You know. Kills people. He you know causes he, cars he, cars to he, crash. Cars are crashing. He climbs, He's eating people. He, he climbs up a building and probably one of the most like uh, you know we're, like of all the violent scenes. This is probably the most violent. Right is where the he scene picks, that they absolutely could not put in the Peter Jackson version. Yeah, because people would be would be demanding their money back. Exactly, because their children would be horrified and like crying. Yeah, they're adult twenty year old children. <laughs> <laughs> so he takes this girl. Who he thinks is reaches Ray, it through her window, but yeah. is not right. So he drops her, and this is like where again he's the, on the side of this yeah. building. This is where the technology and the art of the movie come together because he drops her. She screams as she goes down to her death. The scream is faded into a fire engine siren. Yeah. That is like both horrific and like technically genius. Right. Uh, uh, you know, you just like you. You can't forget that moment. Right. It's just like it haunts you. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's it just like Jesus fucking Christ. This is but a taste of the insanity that Kong wreaks upon yeah. you know New York City. Yeah. Like there's this whole scene where he destroys a subway car. Yeah. And like this, the subway sequence in Kong was, by the way, an afterthought because they had finished the the first cut of it. And it was 13 reels. Yeah. Now, as you know, 13 is a very unlucky number. Not to get too Jim Carrey-ish on this one. <laughs> I guess that's the number 23. Yeah, Whatever. Right, right. I think just Jim Carrey is unlucky. Uh, uh, Jim Carrey is unlucky. <laughs> right. So anyone who saw Dumb and Dumber 2 knows that. So, like, there was only 13 reels in the initial cut. So Marion C. Cooper's like, ah, well, just uh, film another scene where uh, he, you know, monkeys around with a uh, subway car. I don't know. So, like... They, this whole subway scene was an afterthought, yeah. and it's like the best part of the movie. And that <laughs> was picked up by Godzilla, right? And later, King Kong versus Godzilla. Yeah, and this then is later, like, King Kong lives. Yeah, oh. this is like this scene that was just an afterthought, right? Was as like, and it's bit, amazing, yeah. like the way that like, and it's also really brutal. Yeah, and, and like, well, he like attacks really the subway car yeah. like he would uh, an like animal. A snake, right. Yeah, he. It's almost as if. You know, he fights, maybe not the T-Rex, but you feel like the snake monster is the train, and later the planes are the pterodactyl. Right. Like, you see him try and do the same thing right. on the island, but in the city. Right. And and you have all these great shots of people in the subway car, because he, he climbs up on the track, and he, like, breaks the track, so there's a hole in the track, and then he waits for the train, and then he, like, pulls the train off of the track, and you see, you cut to inside the train. People are flying all over the place, and they're like screaming, and they're getting trampled, and they're all getting shoved into like and piled up on top of each other. Cut to the outside shot of Kong, and he like just beats on the subway car, and you can still hear people inside of it, and he keeps beating it and beating until and he it's silent. Yeah, and he flattens it out until it's silent. And he crushes it until it's silent, implying that he's killed. Everyone inside that subway car, like the litigation that yeah. that Carl Denham is going to face, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's it. You know, yeah. he's ruined. All yeah. right, I don't know. You know, that's it. Yeah. And the thing is, <laughs> like, Kong is everyone just, in New York will sue Carl. Kong Denham. is just an animal. <laughs> yeah, you know, anthropomorphic or not, like this is just he's just doing what he does in the jungle in New York. Kong 
eventually finds Andero and uh, who's like in an apartment somewhere. They just found this room. Yeah. Uh, he reaches in, knocks out Drisco, and pulls her out. And he takes her to the top of the Empire State Building. Yes. We cut to a police. Uh, there's a uh, briefing. Yeah, there's a briefing involved. where it's just like we don't know what to do. There like if he goes, ideas. you know. And then Drisco, for a while, he's the one that comes up with the idea. She says, well, is "Planes." It, is it Denim who comes up with the idea? No, not Denim. It's Drisco. Okay. Drisco says, "If we, you know, if he puts her down, we can just use planes." Yeah, and, so, and the, the police captain's like, "Oh yeah, planes." Yeah, like, because planes are so new at this point yeah. that the guy forgot that planes existed because yeah. they've only been around for like fifteen years or whatever. Well, about still, twenty at this 20. point. Yeah. So it's like you yeah. know that's where we're at. That's like that's when this movie was made. But yeah, yeah. and yeah yeah and you know this you know marion c cooper was a pilot world right. war one and the russian polish conflict and later he was a member of the flying tigers in china and it is it may or may not have been confirmed that he may have fought against in honda during that conflict well yeah the, let, let's put it out marion c cooper fought in the china theater of world war Two, and so did shiro honda so it's there's a possibility, I still need to research the times, that they were possibly on the same continent at the same time. Probably nowhere near each other, but they were probably both in China at the same time, fighting on opposite sides. Yes. You know, that's that's just, you know, a little the, interesting to put there. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, just a little tidbit <laughs> just of information. Take just, with that as you will. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the planes... Uh, launch and this like begins like the final yet one of the most am another amazing sequence yeah. in this and this is where the music and effects everything like truly comes to like the peak of perfection where the music is going the action is going you like are like uh, on the edge of your seat at this right. point just like the build-up is so good right and you do get the idea that like you know, obviously Willis O'Brien had been like, like working on this stuff for multiple years before this, but like he was sort of teaching himself how to do the best job as the film was going forward. And it almost seems to me like he may have been doing the sequences in chronological order because you do see a perfection of the animation, especially in this last scene. And, and because... There's there's these amazing POV shots of the planes, what the planes see of Kong, and mm -hmm. because it's a biplane, yeah, <laughs> and it's shaking, you know, violently, that 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 shaking of the plane offsets the jerky motion of the stop motion. Yeah. So what you get is it's like a decoder ring where it's like the red goes on the blue, and you can see the secret word. What it does is it undoes the jerkiness of the stop motion. So you just, for those, for that like split second, for like three shots, you get to see what Kong would actually look like without like the stop motion jitter. And it's like, again, for those two or three seconds, it's absolutely convincing. And yeah. it just looks like documentary footage. It's dynamic. And it's just amazing. Yeah. It's just amazing. So um, he puts uh, Faye down and the planes come. One of the pilots was purported to be Marion C. Cooper himself. I don't remember whether or not that was actually true. Yes, it's true. It is true. Yeah. Okay, so Marion C. Cooper was one of the pilots of the plane. 
And uh, yeah, he didn't actually fly the plane, but they filmed the shots yeah, they filmed the, the shots of him. Yeah. yeah, so and this is like cut together between you know uh, planes on a set, real planes flying in the air being filmed, stop motion planes, King Kong stop Some motion, composition sh- shots that have all of these elements. Yeah. Together and you know, Faye Ray and Faye in the Ray in the corner, rear projected off of a ninety degree half turn mirror to yeah. allow for animators to animate in front of and behind her yeah. at the same time. You know, amazing. Just yeah. And the <laughs> what fact, more do you want? Yeah. So the planes come in, they start pecking at him. Kong, you know, isn't taking anything. He grabs one of the planes and smashes it. And it's yeah. like kind of cool, but it's also sort of sad and a little pathetic. And like, yeah. You you really like the, the the pacing of this movie is such where it's like you know he's been he's been through the ringer at this point he's fought a lot of stuff but he's always defeated it relatively quickly or the music has kind of been building or he's always sort of been in the fight and this you know the this this scene starts to go on a little bit long and you start to get the impression oh wait a minute you know he's not like he can't win like he's yeah. not gonna he's not gonna get out of this so like this is where like the um the empathy for kong comes in because he's no longer king right. at this point technology is now like this is something he can't beat right this is something he doesn't have this is something he doesn't really know how to defeat he can try he he will do his best but like eventually the planes do him yeah, in yeah. and it's just really sad like he has like he does a death dance you know worthy of like any you know great action film yeah, like yeah. uh you know sunny in the godfather he you know? does shelly winter's death scene from the poseidon adventure okay <laughs> Pos- spoiler alert miss rosen dies okay <laughs> but she saves the preacher and secures the rope for the rest of them into the engine room okay yeah. so that's a very specific poseidon adventure reference but anyways <laughs> kong's death scene is amazing <laughs> And, um, and yeah, and heartbreaking yeah. And, and, you know, it's just a puppet. It's just a, it's a visual effect and all these emotions you're feeling, your hairs are standing up on their tips and you're just like, you're, you're just, yeah. and the film absolutely has you. And it's just, it's a little 18 inch puppet, yeah. you know, and like, this that's is, wizardry. Yeah. This is the mastery <laughs> of of movie making. Yeah. It's one you can truly get people to emphasize with a puppet. Right. You know. Like, you know, Jim Hansen has kind of achieved kind of achieved that, but like this is like something like deeper and, and darker. Yeah. You know. And um, and the last scene is, is heartbreaking. Is Denim looking at this corpse and he's 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 preparing to be sued by everyone in New yeah. York, and, he, and the guy's like, "Oh, well, the planes got up or whatever." And he's like, "No, it was Beauty that killed the Beast, and that's it. It's yeah. Beauty and the Beast." Um. So we have now talked about King Kong. Next time we're going to be talking about Son of Kong, mm-hmm. briefly, I think, and then after and then, that, the and then, uh, uh, Mighty the, Joe Young and the gorilla, formerly known as Kong. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And then we're going to keep going and, and do a few more Kong movies and eventually get to King Kong Lives. That's where this is all leading. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Linda Hamilton 1987 actioner, King Kong Lives. Yeah. Oh, oh, what is Is this a sharp blade? Uh, <laughs> Nathan. <laughs> I'm still, sorry. Sorry. We still have weeks till we yeah. talk about it. So uh, until that time, you know, if there's anything we missed, please comment and uh, let us know your thoughts on this on this. Uh, a, a amazing movie and, and, and revolutionary film. Um, 
You've been listening to the Godzilla Pod War Hour. My name is Michael Kelly. Nathan Bear is with us as always. You can follow us on Facebook at the Godzilla Pod War Hour. We're also on Twitter at Michael Kelly at Godzilla Pod War. And, uh, you know, follow us, like us. We're on uh, iTunes. Tell us that you love us. Tell us that you love us, please. (laughs) And and, uh, keep following us. Because, you know, for at least for a little bit, going forward a little bit, you know. Yeah, going forward. Making, making more episodes. Making more episodes. This is what you want. More content. <laughs> this is what you want. Spinoffs, you know. Are you entertained? Godzilla Power, Godzilla Podmore Hour, Rogue One, <laughs> you know. Standalone, you know. Riley, you know. Complex. TV show. I don't know. Anyways. Um, yeah, everybody. I guess... Uh, Go ape. Yeah, we're we're going ape. We are going ape.